0: Hello! Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. We're looking at Acts 16, verses 25 through 40 this morning. Children are dismissed for Children's Church. I want to thank those who have been serving in our nursery, those who are serving in Children's Church. And those who have been working in Iwana. It's uh, just wonderful to be able to continue to share with our children the truth of God's word, continue to teach them and to show them uh, and have them to hear that. It's wonderful. Also, I want to thank those who um, came and gave of their time when the chairs arrived. I know Carlton shared a little bit last week, and I just want to say thank you from being a person who was at home who couldn't come and help to know that there were people here. were willing and able Uh, it's just a wonderful uh, picture of what the church should be in the body of Christ so thank you for those of you uh, who help serve and who uh, continue to serve if you're looking for ways to serve and you're not sure what that looks like please don't hesitate to talk to myself or one of the pastors or uh, anybody that you know who has any uh, leadership um, role um, we'd be glad to talk with you and be able to help plug you in and, and, so that you can use the gifts and your time and your talents, uh, that God has given you. So last week, Pastor Ed, um, left us off in prison. He told me this morning that the Navy SEALs were sent in Thursday and they recovered, um, Paul and, and Silas and they were released. At least a couple of people laughed. That's good. Again, you have me back. So you're stuck with me. Sorry. Bad pastor jokes. Unfortunately, my kids have bad pastor and dad jokes, so um, you at least only have one. Um, we, we are here in Acts chapter 16 where uh, Paul and Silas have been placed into jail, uh, into the center part of the jail, and that's kind of where um, where Pastor Ed left us off. And so I'd like to read uh, verses 25 through 40 and then to kind of walk through that uh, when I read through it, you, you'll even take notice. Uh, it kind of goes back. Dr. Luke, as he's writing this, he kind of takes us back and forth uh, through kind of a perspective. And we're going to look at that when we walk through it, digging into it a little bit, unpacking it. But when we read through it, you'll see it. So there's kind of a focus on Paul and Silas. Uh, and then you're going to talk about the jailer, all right? And then goes back to Paul and Silas, and then the jailer. And so you'll kind of see that as we walk through. Let's read it together, and then uh, and then we'll unpack something some truths. Verse 25, Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So this morning we want to look at this uh, phrase, and I've cut it short. Um, from what the jailer says uh, for us today, it says, what must I do? And, uh, and the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And ultimately, when he is in this environment and we see that uh, what has happened an act of God, uh, we see that he is desperate. Maybe you don't consider yourself desperate today, but maybe that's where we need to think of ourselves as. What must I do. I think for far too long we have been living too comfortably. And we're coming face to face with a time and in a good way we're having to face the reality of of what God truly desires from those who follow him. So this morning we're going to look at these two characters. Um, uh, The first is those who are in jail. Uh, which is Paul and Silas, and then we're going to look at the jailer and his family, and so we have these two that kind of go back and forth. First, we see Paul and Silas. What were they doing as they were in jail? They were moping. They were whining. They were complaining. They were were utterly so uh, resentful. Is that what the text says? No, the text does not say that. In fact, the text tells us that they were what? They were praying and singing hymns to God. And so they were praying and they were worshiping. Ultimately, their focus was not upon themselves and their focus was not upon the circumstances that they were in. Their focus was upon the Lord. Where's your focus today? Then we see this great and miraculous earthquake that God sends. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, an earthquake doesn't unfasten bonds, okay? Um, This is an act of God. God works in a miraculous way. Now, before we go any further, let me ask you, do you believe that the God who did this action that Dr. Luke recorded for us, do you believe that same God can work miracles today? Do you believe that? That is a huge question that you need to answer because a lot of it comes down to our faith. Do I believe? Do I have the faith to believe that God can work miracles today? just like he did as we're reading here. God may choose not to, but that has no bearing. It should have no bearing whether or not we believe or not. Whether God chooses to or chooses not to has no bearing on whether or not we have faith to believe that God is capable and can do it. Well, God does it. It says when the jailer awoke, evidently he didn't wake up Immediately, there was some kind of looks like a pause in there. So, when the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his swords and was about to kill himself. His sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So, where was the jailer? We have this vision of of this picture of Paul and Silas. Their focus was on the Lord. They're praying, they're worshiping. What about the jailer? He's sleeping. And he wakes up and he is desperate and he's confused he can't see what the truth is does this sound like our world today desperate confused can't see the truth i don't want to read too much into this text and how our world is today but let me tell you when pastor ed stopped last week i sat in my chair and i'm like yes because I knew I could come back and preach this passage. Because this is what we encounter and what we're encountering today. And so if you place yourself, quote, in jail, and you have the jailer or the people around you that are living each day encountering the different things and the troubles and the struggles that they're dealing with, they are desperate and they are confused. They may mask those with different different. Items and different attitudes, different ways of fixing it. But they are desperate and they are confused. I believe God's word tells us that there is one answer to fix the desperation of our lives. And that answer is Jesus Christ. This jailer can't see the truth. And I love what Dr. Luke tells us and how he describes this. Because the jailer, he woke and he saw the prison doors were open, but he couldn't see anything else. All he saw were that the doors were open. He couldn't tell if the prisoners were still there yet. But Paul cries out with a loud voice and he says, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Notice what the jailer does then. Verse 29, the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. When the light came, he could see what the truth was. That's true for us. It's true. What's happened in our life in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, somebody shared Jesus with you, the light was brought into your life so that you could be illumined so that you could see your need for a savior. You could see that you couldn't do anything to save yourselves, that you needed a savior, you needed someone to save you from your sin and the punishment that you deserved. And ultimately, you saw that Jesus was that answer. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you believe that Jesus Christ died up on the cross. He was buried and that he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death. Just as we sang this morning, he is Lord. He is King. He is Messiah. We believe that Jesus Christ is God and is the Savior of the world. Do you believe that? I know you're in nice, comfy chairs, and it's a little warm in here. That's why I cracked the windows. All right. You can't respond, okay? When we see that the light has been brought, he comes trembling with fear, and he falls down in front of Paul and Silas. What's interesting is that he knows where to turn to get answers. He could have gone to any one of those that were in jail, but... Paul yells out and tells him not to harm himself. Paul is the one who took the initiative to say, listen, stop doing what you think you need to do because I have some other picture I want to share with you. We're all here. And so as the light is brought in, the jailer comes and Paul shares with him and he gives him hope. For somebody who was desperate and confused and who can't see the truth, Paul gives him hope. That is the light that's brought in. And ultimately we see that Paul shares the truth. Paul shares the truth because this jailer asks a question. Verse 30, it says, Then he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Who's they, Paul and, Sil- and Silas, have re- are responding, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. A couple things here that I want to make mention. First, the jailer asked the question, what must I do to be saved? But I want to take note, if you look in the Greek a little bit deeper, you see this word, sirs. Then he brought them out and said, sirs. That word in the Greek is the same word that is used for Lord. And so when we see Paul and Barnabas answering this jailer, they say, believe in the Lord Jesus. And so that is the same word that this um, jailer has come to them and, and, and seen and has said as a title, you as lords or authority, you sirs, what must I do to be saved? There, he's, he's saying, you as the authority, I'm looking to you for insight, the one who is over in charge of me. Now, that's in contrast because he's the, the jailer. They're the prisoners. Now, something has flipped. Something has changed that he would address them in that way. And ultimately, they shift his, the, this jailer's focus not upon them, but upon who? Who? Jesus. Right? The focus moves to then Jesus as the Lord, not them. So Paul gives hope after the jailer asks the question. So Paul and Silas respond, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and all your household. Some people struggle with this and wonder if this means that if I get saved, for example, in my house, if I accept Jesus as my savior, then all the rest of my household is taken care of. That's not what this text is telling us. What happens is when the word is shared with the jailer, the word is also shared with his household. Let me show you in the text. It says in verse 32, uh, it says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him. And to all who were in his house. So this wasn't the jailer making the one and only decision for everybody in his household. This was the opportunity for him as the leader of his home to invite the truth in. And as he accepted and believed the truth, those who were in his household could also see that this was truth. And where they could then make that decision. And so we see here an opportunity as the truth comes into a household. Not all will accept it, but those who see the truth and how it changes a person, they will also take witness of that and accept the truth as well. The word was shared. The word was spoken. They spoke the word, verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Now, let's look and see what their response was. The response to the truth, to the word, verse 33. And he, the jailer, took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He cared for them physically. He was baptized at once. So while they were down getting their wounds cared for, probably down by a stream or a river or some kind of body of water, there is this discussion about baptism that's taking place. Remember, Dr. Luke doesn't share every single conversation, every single word. But what we can gather here is Dr. Luke tells us, okay, Paul and Silas are getting their wounds taken care of by somebody of water. There's a discussion that takes place about this baptism and the importance as we read and as we've seen already and will continue to see in through the book of Acts is that baptism is, is a clear and present uh, action that shows the real and genuine faith of in Jesus. And so we see that this jailer and his family were true followers of Jesus and in that very hour, as they're within this body of water, they, they are baptized, baptizo, to be immersed. They were immersed. They were, he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. So his family has accepted Jesus' as Lord as well. Verse 34. And then he brought them up into the house. He set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So after they came up, after getting all cleaned up and being baptized, he brought them into his house, which was definitely a no, no. All right. And, and it was a no, no for even the Jews to enter into a Roman house. And so there's two conflicting, if you don't really look at it, you just kind of miss it, conflicts uh, that are happening here. And the issue is Paul and Silas aren't saying, oh, well, we can't come into your house. No, they go and they eat. So they're supposed to be in jail, but they enter to the house of, of, of a Roman Which would be considered unclean. And yet here they have been called to the gospel. And sharing the gospel with the unclean. And in doing so. um, They have this food. But listen. It is not about the food. Notice what Dr. Luke sets his sight on. It's all about what has been believed in. It's about believing in Jesus. The, The jailer rejoiced. Along with his entire household. Because he went from being desperate and being confused and not knowing the truth to the truth being told and known and found out. The baptism shows that their faith was real. This wasn't just a a desperate measure where he was looking to save his neck because his neck was on the line Because if somebody breaks out of jail and you're the jailer, then you have to pay for that. (laughs) No, he's looking for truth and he found it. So what do we see here? We see that they rejoice, he and his household. Why? Because they had believed in God. It is not enough to believe that there is a God. James tells us that even the demons believe that there is a God and they shudder. As Dr. Luke is writing this, he's not trying to omit and make it simpler, the gospel message. He's not just saying a person has to believe in God. No, a person has to trust Jesus Christ to be the savior and the redeemer of their sins. Meaning you have to trust that Jesus took your place in punishment upon a cross and that he died and was buried and rose again. That is the gospel message. So don't miss this. It's already been shared as Dr. Luke writes this this letter. He's shared it, and he will continue to share what the gospel is all about. He doesn't need to share the insights again because we would have assumed, and the early church would have assumed as they read this, they know what Paul and Silas shared with this jailer. It wasn't just to believe that there is a God. That is not good enough. But it is simple enough to say to place your faith in Jesus. It is that simple. To then rejoice, to know that hope has come. Verse 35, it says, But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. Now, what must have happened? We don't have insight here. Paul or Dr. Luke omits this, but what we see from the text is Paul and Silas were out of jail. They got their wounds all healed up because they were beaten and. and beaten up before they were put in jail. The jailer takes them out of jail, gets them cleaned up, gives them some food, and they're rejoicing with the family. Well, what happens is the jailer has to take them back to jail. And so Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas are back in jail when the morning comes, all this is taking place at night. So in the morning, The magistrates, those who are in authority, sent to the police saying, let these men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. Excuse me. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. And have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. So this begins now, the ball begins to roll towards what God is going to do through Paul in reaching the the Romans and the Roman authority. And so Paul says, it's not good enough for you just to throw us into jail and to beat us because we're uncondemned men. We didn't do anything wrong. And not only that, you didn't even ask us, but we're Roman citizens. And you would do that to one of your own? Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I'm not going to get into that this morning. But Paul makes a reference that is very strong. And his argument will be very powerful as he moves forward for the cause of Christ. It's not for the definition so that he can have his rights as a Roman citizen. It is ultimately so that he has the opportunity to share Christ with others. And so they came, and they apologized, and they asked him to leave the city, and we see him going back to Lydia, a convert that we just looked about earlier in the chapter, a woman of purple, seller of purple, that God used in a great way to further the kingdom. And so they, they had seen the brothers, and they encouraged them, and they departed. How did they encourage them? I'm sure they told them about this story that took place that we just read. So, how does this apply to our life? Well, first of all, standing for the gospel may place you and I in unfavorable circumstances. Paul and Silas were what we would say define as unfavorable circumstances, right? They're in jail. They've been beaten. Um, they've been they've been whipped, um, and. Uh, And they're sitting in jail. And so those circumstances we would call uncomfortable or unfavorable. And we need to know and understand as you and I live our lives, standing for the gospel and for the truth may place us in unfavorable circumstances. But I want you to know this. This passage helps us to see that. My circumstances can be used by God for his glory. We see two other passages we've already walked through in Acts chapter 5, verse 19 through 26 and Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 19 where the apostles in chapter 5 were thrown into jail. And in chapter 12, Peter was thrown into jail. God used that those times in jail differently than he would this time. This time he shows his divine power And it's used as a witness. What's interesting is the deliverance wasn't for Paul and Silas. God's power of deliverance wasn't to set them free. As it was in other times that we've seen the apostles, for example, in chapter five, where they're set free. No, the deliverance of God was used to set the jailer free from his bondage that he was under. My attitude and focus must be placed on the unshakable solid rock. Let me be pointed here. If you listen to the news and to the media If you get your input and and your daily fill of knowledge and information from the news and from the media today, you will not be standing on the solid rock. We have one who has promised to be our shelter and to be our rock. To be the one who provides the wings that we can hide in and where we can find comfort and care. That's our God, and that is our Lord. Our attitude and our focus must be placed upon him, not placed upon how we can fix our circumstances. Paul and Silas, their attitude and their focus wasn't about getting out of jail. It wasn't about them trying to fix what they were in. They trusted the Lord that he had a purpose and a plan for their life. And that's why they were praying, asking for God's will. That's why they were singing hymns, worshiping, getting their focus off of the earth and heavenly upward focused. Our attitude and focus must be placed on the unshakable solid rock. Do you know that salvation is available today? For those who have not placed their faith in Jesus, salvation is offered to you to believe that Jesus Christ died in your place, that he was buried and rose again three days later, and he offers you the forgiveness of sin. You must place your faith in Jesus alone. He is the only hope. Folks, for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to know that salvation is still being offered to those around us. And God desires to use us as his tools and instruments to share that. Don't lessen and cheapen the gospel by trying to get out of situations and circumstances that God wants to use. Like Paul and Silas, faith comes with a singular focus and priority. I ask you, what is keeping you from that singular focus and priority? Are there things in your life that are distracting you or that are even destructive That are keeping you from keeping the one thing in your life the priority God's word and obeying Him and doing His will. To keep your focus upon Jesus, what is keeping you from that? Let me encourage you to throw it out, to get rid of it, throw aside any weight any encumbrance that will keep us from running the race that God desires. We sang a little bit ago to bear the cross that Jesus has given us, to be able to bear the cross and to tell of the treasure that we have found. How are you sharing the treasure that you have found? Do you consider it a treasure? Or is it some heavy weight that is burdening you? Christ should never be a burden to us. I have found that when Christ is a burden to me, it's usually because there's sin in my life. So let me once again encourage you, do not excuse your sin. Confess it. Admit it. Earlier this week, I was reading in my devotional that uh, is from Paul David Tripp, and he has this to say about confession. He says, true confession always combines admission of wrong with a plea for help. So not only do you need to admit that you're wrong, you need somebody to help you. And when we admit our sin to God, we not only admit it and confess it to him. When we confess our sin, we're also crying out to him and say, Lord, I need your help. And that's when God does his work in our heart. Where we are then motivated and changed a word that we use called repentance, where we are able to turn from our sin. But it only comes from admitting and crying out, asking for help. You know what our problem is? Or I should say, my problem is? We don't like to admit A, that we're wrong, or B, that we need help. What did the jailer do? He was desperate. Even though we've been saved as followers of Jesus Christ, don't ever lose the dependence upon our Savior, Jesus. Don't ever think that you can make it in this life without Him. The truth is, we need Jesus. And when we come to trust Jesus as our Savior, we realize that. But then we often live the rest of our lives, or we can live part of our lives. Losing focus. Where we've lost the dependence upon Jesus. The deliverer. The helper. That's why I believe there are great masses of people. Who have walked away from the faith right now. Who are listening to what the world has to say. Instead of listening to what Jesus has to say. And so let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Let me extol you. We must keep our eyes focused upon Jesus and his truth. You say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to go to church or I don't have time to do what God's asked me to do. Well, then you're not you're not really desperate, are you? The jailer was desperate. Paul and Silas shared that truth? Because God places them in a situation where they could share that. What situations will you encounter this week and in the days ahead? I pray that you will share the truth. Will you pray with me now that we may seek the Lord and be desperate for him? Lord, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for the truth that your word shares with us. Lord, it is often hard and difficult to live each day depending upon you. We get in the way of ourselves. We get in your way. Often with the gifts and talents that you've given us, we use them To advance our own kingdom and our own plans. Lord, this morning we come confessing. Confessing that we are in desperate need of Jesus. We need more of Jesus. We not only confess that we are sinners and that sin tangles us up and pulls us away from you, Lord, but we cry out. Asking, pleading, that you would deliver us and help us. Lord, if there are things in our life that are drawing us away from you, drawing our dependence and our faith and our reliance upon you, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for those things, and I pray that you would take those away from us. so that others around us would come and see our faith and that we would share the goodness and the deliverance that you've provided for us. Lord, your word has made it very clear to us that if we love something more than we love you, that item, that thing, that person, has become an idol. Lord, may you alone be the true and living God of our hearts and our lives. Help us to trust you and to depend upon you to keep our focus upon you as we read your word, as we allow your spirit to guide us and to lead us. May we be obedient, not focused on our circumstances, Not focused on what is happening around us. But may we focus our hearts and our minds upon you, Lord. Upon your word. Upon your truth. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us as we confess our sin to you that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray that we would listen and abide in your spirit this week as you guide and direct us, use us for your glory and may you do miraculous and great things for your kingdom because we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done, not our own. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.